Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. I had this splashy job. I was working literally 25-8, no days off, no days off. For a moment, I just thought, oh my God, my dreams are coming true. I'm going to finally be worth something. People are going to finally see what I can do. Over the seven years that I was there, I realized I was the most miserable. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, Welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome back to the Truth Prescription Podcast. Today's topic is the truth about motherhood. And to help us discover and uncover that topic, I had the pleasure of interviewing Mrs. Tanika Ray today. Uh, Many of you would recognize her as a host on many media platforms, including the show Extra, Ready to Love, Ladies Who List, just to name a few. And through these outlets, she has interviewed literally hundreds of celebrities. She's also the host of the mom-centric podcast, Mama Stay. So her truth was the discovery that many of us come to at one time or another, where you get to a point where you've achieved everything and realize that you're still not happy. And so through that process, she had to be honest about what it was, what she wanted, what she needed, and then find her true self through that process. And it's, it's a process. Some of the topics we delved into, what was the biggest fallacy of motherhood? That was a great one. We talked about how working on the show Friends early in her career helped her and can help others become better mothers. And lastly, we discussed some keys to stress management and self-care as a mother and a parent. So close your eyes and open your ears and enjoy this interview. It was a good one. Good people. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your humble host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and today I'm excited. First episode, first live episode of 2023, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Miss Tanika Ray. Tanika, what's up? What's up? I'm so excited to be here. Yes. I love truth, so I'm down with this. Let's oh, go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to get into it today, the truth about being mama, the truth about motherhood, which you are uh, highly qualified to talk about. Highly qualified. Eight years in, baby. Eight years. That's right. That's right. So we, we always start off the show with the truth prescription. And what that is, Tanika, is a time in your life when there was a truth about yourself or about the world that you maybe either were ignoring or just weren't aware of. Once you accepted that truth, a breakthrough happened. What was that for you? This still makes me a little weepy because I think that we all grew up with goals and dreams, right? That's something that all children have, thank goodness, is the ability to have the space to dream and have hopes and desires that they hope to fulfill in their future. And I remember I have an incredible family. I have a father and a mother and they both were successful and I have a brother. 
However, I was always the black sheep, right? So I was always like, how am I in this family? They're all the same. Those three people are go together. And I'm sort of like the wild haired, arty, <laughs> dancer, emotional child. So I spent a lot of time in my room dreaming. And when I was a little girl, I just knew that I wanted to be a dancer. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted people to know me to sort of at the time, I guess, to make me feel like I was worth something. So I set my sights on being in front of the public, being on TV. And in the 90s, I was on every one of all of your favorite music videos. That was a goal. I wanted to, as my little self sat in my room, who my niece now grows up in, which is so surreal. And I said, I want to be a professional dancer before I'm 30, because 30 is so old, right? And I did that. And I set my sights on it. Then it was, I want to be on TV. All these things that we think are going to fill us up. And I was on a very popular entertainment show. That job was very coveted. I was the New York correspondent. And then I became the weekend host. And then I became the host of the show. And I'm supposed to be happy. Right. You want to mention the show or you don't? People can Google that. Okay. Let's keep going. I think I may mention it in the intro anyway, but go ahead. Yeah. That show. <laughs> and um, you have to be able to dissect the parts that are that you love. And, and for a moment, I just thought, oh, my God, my dreams are coming true. I'm going to finally be worth something. People are going to finally see what I can do. And I had this splashy job. I was working literally 25-8, right? No days off. No days off. Because entertainment doesn't stop. As a matter of fact, during the holidays, it ramps up. Because they hope it will get buried, you know, under the holiday fluff up. <laughs> I don't know what word that was. <laughs> holiday experience. Um, so you never have days off. And over the seven years that I was there, I realized I was the most miserable. And it took a while to go, why am I not happy? Why am I working so hard going home, eating a pint of ice cream just to rinse and repeat? And I'm not happy. And so I had to really get down to the core. What, first of all, what is worth? What is success? All those things that we identify with that make us feel like we're worthy to be here. And finally, I just had to be honest with myself. The truth is that isn't the source of my joy. The truth is, is that just because you have people knowing you doesn't mean you have no problems. And I think being on lots of red carpets, interviewing a lot of people who are excellent at what they do. Sure, they're celebrities, but they're excellent at what they do. I saw a lot of people who were very damaged, very dark inside. You're looking in people's eyes and you're like, you're top of the world. Why yeah. do you look like that? Yeah, great point. So that information of looking at the people that I was interviewing who are celebrated worldwide, plus the feelings that I was having, why am I not feeling like I'm at the top of the world when everyone says that I am, was a truth that I had to really come to terms with. And ultimately, I don't care what anybody says. I decided to make changes in my life so that I can find where the joy lives. And sometimes the joy is in unexpected places. Sometimes it's ditching that job and going, oh my gosh, I feel lighter now. I see myself for who I am now, not for who other people say that I am. Yes, I was in, working on an entertainment magazine show, but I really don't even care about celebrities. <laughs> I loved the connection, what we're doing right now. I loved taking interesting people, asking them questions, getting to get a, a little essence of who they were. And then if they made a great piece out of it, great. I especially loved amplifying who we were, people of melanated backgrounds. 
That was my favorite thing. I used to fight with this job. I want to interview Taraji Henson. Who? I'm telling you, she's amazing. They didn't care. So I fought that good fight all the time. But when it came down to it, I was like, I can do this someplace else. Even with Nipsey, you know, the story about the story about Nipsey. Well, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite stories that really explains the landscape I was working in is I was at the Grammys. I think it was 2019. You know, the Grammys is were packed like sardines. They have one camera guy. There's a producer there. We're trying to get people. The carpet is filled with people that matter, people that don't necessarily matter for your interviews. And I see Nipsey and I see Lauren. Obviously, I know Lauren from her work. I wasn't as familiar with Nipsey, but I knew who he was. And I knew he was a powerful man in his intention. I just had my own cameraman. Come on. Brought them over, had this great conversation with them. And of course, the the show that I was working for just threw it away. Like, they're not going to air. They don't know who they are. And unfortunately, a couple of weeks later, Nipsey was gone. And I was on vacation and I called my like, somebody needs to find this tape. I don't even remember what's on it. I just remember we had a moment. And if you Google it now, it was really his last interview with her. And they were so cute and loving and playful. And I'm very proud of that moment because that was a part of our culture that I got to get on air, unfortunately, because he passed. If he didn't pass, nobody would have ever seen it. Nope. No, nope. it would have stayed in, in the recesses of your memory. There's a lot to unpack there. A um, couple things I want to share before I speak on your journey with that truth. I also, when I was in high school, so I went to music and art, which is uh, LaGuardia High School for the performing arts in the city. And I, I played the viola, but my, I had an uncle that toured with Lisa Lisa. I don't know if you remember Lisa Lisa. Uh, are you kidding? Cold Jam from back in the day. I love Lisa Lisa Cold <laughs> Jam. Are you serious? Yeah, he was there. Uh, basically like their road techie. He would like set up all the lights and stuff. But he also was a musician and had a studio. And I always kind of wanted to go in that direction. You know, my parents convinced me basically, hey, why don't you go the science route, be a physician. And then if you want to do music later, you can. Blah, blah. So I was actually at Mount Sinai here in the city doing my residency. And I had been starting to make music. I don't want to say the rapper's name, but I, I had a this rapper as a as a patient. She was so nasty and negative. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is interesting. Then about maybe six months later, same thing. I had another, I can say his name because he's he's deceased. DMX came in and just that man, I, I could just tell him like, this man is amazing, but he's got he's sick. Like he's got a lot of demons. And what sort of came to me, my intuition was like, are you sure this is the this is what where you want to go? You know, in terms of this is how you want to channel your creativity. So I, I totally get what you're saying about you're dealing with these people who are on top of the world because they're good at what they do. But you can see that, that they're ailing. You know, there's something about them that's not right, spiritually, physically, mentally. For people that listen to this interview, Tanika said something extremely important. I really want you to pay attention to it. The fact that she came, she came up in a household where she felt essentially as the outsider, where she had these three other people who were, I'm assuming, maybe type A and very academic and the 50 to-do list and doing all the things. And you were sort of creative. Let's sing. Let's dance. Let's color. And that wasn't appreciated. And because of that, leaned into a role where you could, the world could see you, appreciate you and respect who you were, the thing that you didn't get at home. And it's just important for us to recognize how a lot of times our upbringing and even our culture 
can mold us into a particular pathway that may not necessarily be for us, but it's soothing a part of us that's in pain. And I think mm-hmm. that's really what she's talking about. But as we all do, and for those that know my story, know, know mine, she got to a point where being somebody else for somebody else just wasn't good enough anymore. She had to really focus on who Tanika really is. And so super important. Thank you for sharing that. So Tanika, you're, I can say this because you posted it, so I don't feel bad, but Uh-oh. you look amazing <laughs> for 50, right? Uh-huh. So you're 50 and you're a mom. Why are you covering your face? Because I'm so embarrassed right now. You posted it. I didn't, this is I not, know. <laughs> this is let not, me, this is be, not private information. You shouldn't have posted it. Let me be really it. clear. It took me 12 months to post that. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you're really like, 51. I've got another birthday in a couple weeks. Okay. All right. 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 This Aquarian season is coming. It was literally my first time like writing that number, which I have no connection to other than what they say we're supposed to be at 50. But I got to tell you, this group, this class of 50 year olds is so dope. Shaquille O'Neal, Gabrielle Union, Tracy Ellis Ross. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Eminem. Like we are oh, wow. in a okay. dope class. Wow. Well, I brought it up not to embarrass you, but to just bring up the point that you're a mom now of, of eight years, right? Which means you had your daughter at 42 or 41. Yes, babe. I waited till that last egg. <laughs> that last, last drop. Egg. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard thing. It's it's cruel what women have to balance, like career having a baby. And it's, it's such a mind twist. Like the fact that you don't, men don't have that burden. You have no idea what a blessing that is because so many of us have dreams. I, I never wanted to have, a, I had goals. I was going to be on TV. I had things to do. You know, I will tell you this quick story because I think it's important for people to know, even if you don't want a child, sometimes God has other plans. And when things happen in your life that are unexpected, there's a lot of resistance that we put into uh, situations because we're like, it's not on my plan. And I just think resistance just breeds discontent. Like you're just never going to be happy if you're trying to resist something that is naturally happening that God has put in your life. I literally remember shocked at 42, not trying, don't even literally think it was immaculate conception. There's that. And I was like, uh, well, we know it wasn't that. You don't know. You don't know me like that. God could have chosen me. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, I believe in magic. I was just, I remember sitting there and going, okay, God. All right. Next adventure. Here we go. Well, in the intro, I mentioned that you were host of the Mama Stay podcast. It's a mom, mom-centered podcast. I've listened to a couple of episodes. It's it's beautiful. I think it's a great support space and safe space for moms um, because like, you know, I, even I, I watch my own wife, like y'all go through a lot. And to your point earlier, it's like, I can appreciate it, but I'm not living through it. Like I can support as much as possible, but I'm not living with that burden. It's not just the burden. I think of the everyday things you have to do for your children, but it's like society and Looking, looking like this and doing this and keeping up with this person and am I giving the right vitamins and all of this stuff. So the first question I wanted to ask you just in the floor of this conversation is what's the, what do you think is the biggest fallacy of motherhood? That we're supposed to give our all to our children. 
there's this idea in our society, like if moms aren't burnt to the ground, mm. giving their every last energy to their children, they're not doing it right. Mm. When you really look at all the things that we believe in this world, it really is all generated from the patriarchy, isn't it? There aren't women out there going, you know what? This is what it's all these men. It's like it's like looking at the government, all these men who have no idea of what it's like to be a woman making rules and laws and about assumptions yeah. about what it is to be a woman and a mother. When you're reading these books with these agendas, you realize that once you can free your mind and understand that these blessings come through us, we are the ones that keep the world going. And every child it, that is being poured into, yes, fathers help, but there's something so there's, you cannot, being a mother is, is mandatory. Whereas being a father sometimes, sometimes becomes optional, right? So if the dad is busy or has other things or wants to go to a game, they go. And the woman is like, oh, I'm going to take care of my kid. We don't have those options. We don't exercise those options if we are intentional mothers, right? We have to like, okay, if there's anybody that's around to cover me while I try to go have a drink with some friends, that would be great. But it's a lot more of a scramble for women and for moms. And men are just like, okay, so I'm going to let you know my schedule. And you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. hey, bye. Have a great time. I mean, mind you, I'm co-parenting. I'm not with yes, we, my we, daughters. We're going to talk about that. Yep. I was laughing because just this week, a buddy <laughs> invited me to go watch a game. And you were out. You no, were like, I'm out. no, no. I've been married wow. a while. So I know that I know the deal. I said, uh, yeah, honey. So our um, children are friends. So I said, hey, you want to do a play date with such and such <laughs> around this you time? Game. She's like, no, because, you know, something, something, uh, you know, I, I arranged something for them to do. I was like, oh, OK, no problem. And then I didn't. And, I didn't, and then she said, why is there a game? <laughs> she knows. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there is, but no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna stay home. I'm gonna stay home, and I'll watch because we have two. So I'm, a, I'll, I'll, I'll stay with, with, with the older one. You take the younger one where she gotta go. Okay, anyway. So, but that comes with time. It comes with time. Yeah, maturity. Yes. And I love the teamwork. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, otherwise, I, I used to say this to her in the beginning. It's like if we can't help each other, then why are we together? You know, otherwise, we could just do it Hello. by ourselves. Hello. <laughs> so. Which is what a lot of women choose, and yeah. like, there's a lot of people like, oh, you single moms. It's why the the world, is, no, single moms bust their butts. We prioritize our kids. We sacrifice the social life. We do all the things in order to put out kind, generous kids. And for the most part, that is a single mom's. I mean, I'm not even a true single mom. So let me be really clear. I've got my parents in town. Her father lives seven minutes away. A true single mom who I literally bow down to are the women that have to work two jobs and come home and their kids are cooking dinner and there is no relief. Yeah, I, I have a village and I still think there's no relief, but I'm not the one that we should feel bad for. Yeah, It's the true single moms. We all should be doing everything we can to help because it is a, it is a hard job. Yeah. It's a hard job. No cap. Yeah. So early in your career, uh, this little nugget I dug out, you were a, a production intern on friends first season. During that process, you watched the director at the time. I think his name was Burroughs. Yeah, James Burroughs. James Burroughs. As you said, make magic happen. 
And to me, being a mom is very much like a, being a director. I've directed a few short films. You need to essentially organize everything and then put it in, in, a, in such a way that, that it goes smoothly again and again and again and again, regardless of the Murphy's Law, which is always going to happen. <laughs> what did you learn way back then in that experience that you think moms can apply to raising children? First of all, what a blessed job that was right out of college. It was first season of Friends. Nobody knew if that show was going to make it a week. And (laughs) I was the only person on stage outside of the six actors and the director. So what a beautiful front row seat to watch something go from, "Eh, it might be okay, to being the biggest show in the world. I felt like God put me there for a reason, for a lot of reasons. What I would say I learned for the mom's sake, and yes, you're absolutely right. I direct everything in my house. Mm-hmm. It, I actually got a lot of peace because I'm because I'm co-parenting. You're like, you need to do this. Then I realized I can't wait for the father to assume responsibility. Mm-hmm. I go, I'm a director as well. I got so much peace once I started going, okay, I know what my daughter needs for Christmas. So I now send him links. These are the things she needs. Not all that other stuff. She'll need Nikes. She'll need a sport. You know, she needs a backpack. (laughs) She needs these fun things. So now I direct everybody and I direct my mom. I send links. I direct everybody, not only in gifts, but what she needs emotionally when she's visiting people, how to stay away from dangerous language, like weird. My daughter's very sensitive to the word weird, but I just now direct everybody so that my daughter's well-being is always taken care of. That to me. And James Burroughs, I got to tell you, he's a very casual man, but he was very instrumental in the success of Cheers. He was very instrumental in the success of Frasier. He's very cool and chill, but the man, like, quiet storm of control. He's so quiet when he, he doesn't need to speak, and when he does... You're like blown away about how genius it is. So I've learned not to give my commentary to my baby's father. I don't need to tell him when he does something wrong. He knows. I now just (laughs) stick with, this is what I need you to do. I don't need my emotions wasted there. I need my, I need to sort of make sure I'm at peace, protect my peace at all costs which is the reason why I'm not with him. I'm very clear about that. So to keep going on, you're doing this wrong is a waste of energy. So I try to stick with what works, how I can sort of delegate for this child's benefit and get rid of the rest of the noise. It doesn't matter. It's so interesting. What you're talking about is really a, a basic, separate from the, the what you said about being a director for your household, which is really important. There's a basic, to me, relationship principle, which is everybody should be proactive. By being proactive, you're essentially creating peace because it's like you just cut through all the bullshit. You're like, yes, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about that. I know what's needed. If I step on some toes, okay, I'll step on the toes, but at least I know what's done. And then next time I can figure out another way to not step on the toes, but still do it. But it, I think even when people are together, I have to do this with, with my wife or with my, I have an 18 year old daughter with my, with my daughter, my oldest daughter. You got to just sometimes just do stuff. <laughs> You know, and not always in this like perpetual waiting mode because one step below waiting is victimhood. And we don't want to get, we don't want to go there. 
100%. (laughs) And it's so easy when you are raising a child for moms to feel like we're the victims in this because we get discarded. It becomes about the baby. We get worn down and it's like, well, the kid's fine. And then moms are sitting in their closet, like crying. So it's so easy to be really worn out, especially remind you, my child was five going into a pandemic. My child was in kindergarten. I finally like, yes, she's in school. I got her into this incredible school. And now I am homeschooling a child that I never wanted to homeschool for a year. And I'm, I swear, the fact that I I was like, can I get postpartum at five years old? Can I get that? Yes, you can. (laughs) I got it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was, where am I? And still, even at eight and a half years old, I think moms are always sort of grappling with, where am I? Because I have this to do for them and this to, and then where's Tanika? And so that's another reason why Mama Stay was born. It's like, I got to figure out where I exist in this world outside of her mother, somebody's daughter, somebody's ex. You know, when I had my career going, it was so clear. But now, when I meaning when I had my career going on somebody's show being employed, it was so clear. But now that I'm creating it myself, it's like, oh, I've got to start from scratch. I've got to start weeding out and I have to create those boundaries. They're not going to be created on their own. And that's something that has really been a revelation is that you keep going. I think for me, I kept going, when is somebody going to relieve me? When is somebody going to pick up this slack? Don't they see? Make it clear to the listeners that this is not conscious. These are like sort of subconscious thoughts that are coming. Very subconscious, deep, deep, deep down. And mothering is like what we forget. Yes, it's having a baby, but you go from managing and taking care of one person, myself, (laughs) to managing and taking care of two people, two whole people, mentally, physically, emotionally, all the things that I think we forget. It's not just, oh, she's fed. No, my daughter, she's emotional. She got upset last night because she forgot she had a project to do, do today. And I'm like, well, sweets, <laughs> we got to get it done. Well, I need to do um, extra credit and do a PDF. Baby, you don't know how to do a PDF. So what we're not going to do at the last minute is stress ourselves out over extra credit when you, you don't know how to do that. That sounds like it's me doing your PDF. <laughs> And you're not going to get extra credit for my work. Right. You're going to stress me out. Stress me out. So last night's whole conversation was me disappointing my daughter that sometimes in life when we're not prepared, we're not allowed to go for extra credit. And the part that I'm leaving out is her best friend is a little genius. Uh, He did her extra credit for her and she wanted to turn that in. I'm like, sweetie, no, we can't do that. Yeah. And she lost it. I'm like, this is about character building. When you get extra points in life, it's because you earned it, yeah. not because your bestie put a, a beautiful project together. So, you know, the easy thing would have been like, sure, just use it. Let's go. Yep. yep. Nope. But I have to mother all the time. Yeah. If I don't mother now that I'm teaching her, it's okay to take somebody else's work. And then the next time that happens, it's a harder conversation. And that's what people forget. It's like, there is no time off in mothering. There's no autopilot. It is constantly being present, constantly seeing where, oh, that's going to turn into 
this bad characteristic. So I've got to nip it in the bud now. That's the full scope of parenting that people forget is at play every single second of every single day. It's so, it's so cute. They're dressed cute. They're eating, whatever. But it's so much more than that. I'm trying to nurture a conscious, loving, expanded thinking child. She's been here before. If you've, you've heard that saying, she's been yeah. here before. So children who have been here before are even harder to raise because they're like, but mommy, like they think they know everything. Mm-hmm. So with when, love. When is, when is Nala's know, birthday? She's a cancer, July 2nd. Ah, okay. Okay. So very close to mommy. She sounds a lot like you when you were a little girl, <laughs> from what you're describing. Well, the truth is never more true than right now, <laughs> because that is something that I, I had to actually recognize is like, oh, I'm raising myself. So I though I that. felt like the outcast that never got what I needed in a very type A pragmatic family, I now, God's like, well, here you go. Good luck. No boxes. No instructions like here. here no instructions. She's not like other kids. She's not like, just go and do it. Nor do I want to raise a kid where I'm saying, I, I said, do this, so do it. I want a thinking, breathing kid who has her own thought process so that when she's out in the world, she knows how to make a decision. And it isn't only about what my mommy thinks, because there's a lot of that too in, in parenting, this sort of regurgitating ideas that then your child picks up and then they just are like a little mini version of you. I don't want that. I absolutely understand that our children aren't ours. We don't possess them. They are miracles that come from God. God has then granted me with the blessing of raising this beautiful being that he created, right? And I'm the perfect person to raise her. And she even says it. I have one of those kids who said it like age five, mommy. I'm so glad I picked you. And I said, <laughs> I said what oh, do you yeah. mean? She's been here before. That's yeah. very mature. She goes, well, right? there was this long line of moms. And I was like, no, 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 no. And you were all the way at the end. And I was like, her. I want her. And I was like, you can't make that up. She's five. So I, I let her stories be her stories. And I let her believe whatever she wants to believe. Tanika, how do you manage stress? a constant ongoing and not just you but you know from the women that you've interviewed i know you interviewed dr shafali and a bunch of other people but what are some of the things women that are listening to this show can take Uh, i know something you know my wife struggles with managing stress well number one when we're stressed it is reflected in our children and each time i see that i'm a little bit filled with anxiety so too is my daughter Mm. and so I'm realizing that it's not just me suffering and wearing myself down, but that it's reflected. So now we have a house of anxiety. Mm. So it is something that we all need to deal with. And we all have different ways. There are free ways. There are expensive ways. Mm -hmm. I have been exploring all the ways because since what, 2000, I've been on a journey, uh, a spiritual journey to put the pieces in place to make my life better and it's more expansive. So I will go to a Korean day spa. That is one of the most amazing ways. It is scrubbing 
old dead skin, oh, yeah. old dead energy off of your body. Yes. They wash your hair. They, it's just the most indulgent. And I wish black people had something ritualistic like this. This means that a whole culture has something that they do almost every day. They go into a spa, they clean themselves. Sometimes you see like 90 year old Korean women shaving, washing their body on a stool. Mm. And you're like, this is what black people need. Something that's habitual, ritualistic that we do to self-care. We have nothing right now, right? Yeah, Netflix. And we're, we're such a new orphaned community. We need to start really creating things for our better, for our betterment. Like I, for the first time we celebrated Kwanzaa and we're like, well, I know it was made up in the seven sixties, but that's what everything starts off is something that somebody made up. So let's put a little, little love into it. Korean day spas, uh, sound baths. I realize for me, mind, body, and spirit have to be aligned for me to be my best self. And so as much as people say they hate working out, I know to the core of my being that when I'm in a class and some people like to lift weights, some people like to do classes, classes are absolutely everything for me. They allow me to space out in somebody's class lifting weights, but it's also because my body's moving, my mind is free and my mind connects to source. I have the most amazing conversations with source when I'm sweating when I'm working out, working my body out. And it's something that people forget. They forget that in order to be your best, your maximum self, all three components have to be aligned. We can't forget the body part because the body affects mind stuff. Your mind can't be free if we're not working our body out. And so that has been something really, really important. And I go through periods where I slack off, but the day before January 1st this year, I joined a fancy gym. And I love it. I And I realize it isn't about the gym. I think it's about mindset too. It isn't about, I'm going to go work out and get, get, you know, get into shape. I could care less at this point. I'm 50. I think I look fly. It isn't about fitting into certain jeans because my body, sh I still fit in the same clothes. I just feel fluffy, you know? <laughs> I just feel fluffy. <laughs> so what I realized is it isn't about like a certain size or certain muscle tone. It is about consistency. I don't even care what I look like. I've thrown that out the window. It's about literally feeding myself every day by blessing myself with the opportunity to be consistent. It could be anything. It could be walking consistently every day. It could be doing uh, parkour. I don't know where that came from. Kettlebells. Just something where your body can be in a state of movement so that your mind can be free. And it, the, the wisdom that we gain from, that I gain, I say we, I don't know why. I guess I see myself as multiple people, which is a whole other thing. Okay. I'm not Gemini. But no, I really, I, what do you think about movement? Oh, you're a doctor. Absolutely. I'm a doctor. I'm also a mindset coach and, and a wellness coach. And what I tell people is that our bodies are vibrational. This is a fact. They've studied it. They, you know, yes. they can see it. And so what happens is a very technical thing. If you exercise, you're moving your body. You're increasing your vibration and increasing mm -hmm. your frequency. And that mm -hmm. happens in the entire body. And that also your, your mind, your, your brain and mind is part of your body. And so it's really technical. Like if you think about it back in, you know, the Old Testament, 
that saying about the uh, an idle mind is the devil's playground, right? What are they mm-hmm. talking about? If you're not move, moving, if you're static, what is death? Death is the absence of movement, right? So if you're static, there's really no vibration. There's nothing wrong with sitting down and watching TV, watching a Netflix show for two hours. That's fine. But then get up and move around a little bit because what happens is you put yourself at a lower vibration. What lives at those lower vibrations? Negative thoughts, negative emotions, mm-hmm. right? You can almost count it to a T. If, you don't, if you're used to somebody like you, if you're used to working out, if you don't work out for a week, you're going to be susceptible to not only getting sick, but then just all of a sudden, why do I feel down? Why do I feel depressed? Why am I having these negative thoughts? Why do I want to yes. slap this person? Why do I think that that person is an asshole? Versus when you're, when you're exercising or, you know, another thing, what I exercise, but I also meditate, you just put yourself at a different vibrational level because we're electromagnetic, our bodies. And so that's all it is at a very technical level, what you're saying. But what I like about what you're saying goes back to the self-care because really what you're saying, Tanika, is when you do something for yourself every day, you're showing yourself love. You're giving something back to you. You know, part of the issue and part of the problem is is a lack of identity that you that you talked about, where it's like you got all these people to take care of. And, you know, for for so if, if you're married, then it's I got to take care of my husband. I got to do that. Yeah. And I got to do the kids and I be a friend. It's like, where are you in all that? And so just the act of doing something consistent, even picking your nose, you know, what once a day, something consistent for you, it makes all the difference. For, for just for your, your emotional, uh, psychological, emotional, physical health. So anyway. And to double down on that, if I'm going to do something just for me, I want to feel high. I yeah. want my endorphins pumping. I yeah. want it to be a good time. Right, right. Yeah, great point. Great point. We're going to move to the last section here called first impressions, which you, you said you are afraid of. Don't be afraid. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Go for it. But I'm going to encourage you to try to, Maybe I should have you, um, you like to dance on your Instagram. So maybe I should have you do do a dance first. Get out of your mind. So oh, just, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So it could just go, it could flow. Okay. Okay. First go one. Mama. Stay. Love it. Poppy. Chulo. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting that. Okay. Okay. Uh, number three, <laughs> husband, wife. There you go, wife. I think wife e. There you go. I like it. Number number five, celebrity, culture, dance, team, mm. exercise, life, and number eight, the last one, freedom. Ah, oh, me. Ah, <laughs> I like that. All right. All right. We're going to close out the show with, I'm the first time I'm doing this, a quote from Tanika and a quote from myself. So my quote that I chose from Tanika is, I'm a great listener. I'm naturally curious about people and I love finding out what makes them tick. Love yes. that. And my quote, as it pertains to motherhood is, you are not your role. You are so much more. Mm. All right. See. So, Tanika, how can people connect with you, find out what you're doing, and uh, see you see you in action? Yes. Well, I am on my weekly podcast, which do you do weekly? 
I do weekly, but I end up a lot of times using older shows to fill in because just the recording yes. schedule is so all over the place. Yeah, it's bananas. I do weekly. Um, so every week on Tuesday, a new pod is coming out. Sometimes I do solo. I have things to get off my mind. Sometimes I'm with amazing mothers that I interview. And this year I've added daddies. So yes. right back at you, Dr. Yes. Seku, I'll be coming for you. Yes, we talked I've about added, that. I'm ready. I'm yes. ready. So I'm really excited. Shaka Sangor and Alima Ballard, like a lot of really dope dads and hopefully Dr. Seku, but just the overall parenting and really having these discussions about men and women and the difference in how we're nurturing our kids. But this January, I've now come out of the studio and I'm throwing my very first Mama's Day in-person event at the beach. It is a wellness mini retreat on January 22nd. So I'm really excited to do more of those in person to bring the collective together. It's one thing to talk and hopefully have people listen. It's another to go. Moms need a safe space to not only rejuvenate themselves, but to vent and then to have be seen. I love that. Okay. It's going it's to be successful. Thank you. Thank you. You can always find me at Tanika Ray on Insta and all the social media platforms. Beautiful. Tanika, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Really, really appreciate it. Got a lot. I'm not a mom, but I feel this conversation. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for so sharing. Much. I'm going to sign off as I always do that the truth will set you free if you let it. <laughs>